Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, everyone, here to the Ruckus Podcast Boxing Show. I am your guest host, at least for part of the evening, uh, Brandon Stubbs, a.k.a. Punch to the Face. Uh, you can catch my show tomorrow night, Punch to the Face Radio, where I'll be talking MMA, shameless plug. Uh, but tonight I'm actually filling in for uh, normal host, Deandre LaBeouf, who is uh, currently out in Los Angeles doing secret contract negotiations for the big super fight of Anthony Mundine and K-9 Bundridge. Uh, we'll get her details uh, in regards to how that contract negotiation is going on, once she uh, joins us here a little bit later in the show, probably here in the next 45 minutes or so, maybe an hour, but she'll join in and she'll be taking over. But until then, I am uh, hosting the show, but not alone. She's not going to leave the uh, the inmates to run the asylum, so to say, so to speak. Uh, I am joined by Ishmael Abdul Salam of Beats Boxing Mayhem and NYK Loyalist, uh, and as well as... Um, Ryan Bivens is somewhere. Ryan Bivens will be joining us here shortly, but in the meantime, Ishmael, man, what's going on? Talk to the people. Oh, no, Brandon. I'm doing good. Can't complain. Still recovering somewhat from all that boxing we had last week. Trying to get back into the we, swing of things. Yeah, man, we really got force-fed a lot of boxing. Some of it good, some of it just awful. Um, we really can start with Thursday. Thursday we had the uh, the card on ESPN. And it it was bad. It was just bad. But uh, I think our the third will, if you will, is now joining us here. Um, <laughs> the dark cloud, the, the hand of death, as I like to call him. I don't, I don't think he's a loose cannon as me, but nevertheless, my man Ryan Bibbins, what's going on with you, Ryan? You know, I'm good. You know, just uh, just relaxing. Now, well, we saw earlier that you uh you had to go to the dentist and you were gonna go do some training. Everything turned out okay or are we do we have um, to go find somebody the, to beat them up or you you good? <laughs> Yo, the uh the training went good. Um the, the dentist on the other hand, um I'm gonna have to go to a new dentist because, you know, they don't take my insurance no more. And uh, this shit happens with the dentist all the time with me for some reason. I'm, I'm uh, like my seventh dentist in like, you know, the last ten years. <laughs> wow. Well, I, I can't give you too much advice there. This time last year, I went to the dentist and pretty much ruined uh, two of my teeth to where I'm now missing teeth in the back of my mouth, thanks to my dentist. So uh, shout out to Obamacare for making it happen. Appreciate that, Obama. <laughs> right on, right on. But, um, but we, you know, we we had a lot of boxing here. Like I said, we got a guest as well. We got uh, uh, Mauricio uh, uh, Herrera who will be joining us here. Um, had a very good fight. Didn't really end maybe the way he thought it was, but it was a good fight. Uh, nevertheless, uh, we also will be joined by, and I know I'm going to mispronounce this young lady's name. Um, uh, some, oh, God. If anybody can enunciate it, help me out. Because y'all know I'm bad with names. I think it's Sulem. Sulem, yes. Uh, she's a young boxing prospect. Uh, she's going to be trying out for the 2016 uh, Olympics there in the women's boxing division. Uh, she'll join us a little bit later on the show. We'll talk about how that's going as far as uh, the competitions, which I'm following her on Twitter, and she's like laying – 
uh, folks out. So pretty good chance she's going to make the team there for that uh, for two, uh, for 2016. But let, let's start here with a little boxing. Let, let's first start here with, with Thursday night's car. We're not going to talk too much about it because it was awful. Um, ESPN had a special edition of Friday Night Fights. Um just really bad all the way around. We had horrible judging. We had very poor displays of boxing. And this was supposed to be a tribute to Dan Goosen. And if that was the case, did they not love, like the man or something? Because it was really bad to watch. And it started so late at night. So I know a lot of boxing fans completely turned out on it. Um, let's start with you, Ishmael. Man. What, what did you think of the, the Friday Night Fight Special Edition uh, that we were served with here this past Thursday? Well, I think for people like us, you know, we we watch the cars no matter what we're getting. But um, in particular for this one, it was it was hard for me to stay awake, just to be honest with you. So, you know, normally I can make it through most cars, but this one, for whatever reason, you know, I was just in and out of sleep. I had to end up watching it over again. Uh, when I watched it the first time, I ended up falling asleep. Let's see, about two or three times during the main event. Um, I remember the bell ringing when it started. Next thing I remember was it being about the fourth round, looking the same as I remember when it started. And then the last time was when Starver actually got the stoppage. Um, when I watched the fight over, you know, Jonathan Banks, you know what to expect, doesn't throw many punches, um, wasn't expecting much out of him. I thought Starver, um, at least at the weigh-in, would have looked a little bit better. He looked a little chunky to me. I know he's not naturally a heavyweight, so he's never going to really look uh, completely in shape at heavyweight. Um, but, you know, he was in there with Banks, so nothing about his stamina was going to get tested. So I thought, you know, once he let his hands go, and he seemed like the only one that was willing to do that, you know, he pretty much either got Banks to retreat or uh, hold. So I thought it was a good stoppage on his part. Um, I know he's calling out Klitschko that fight. <laughs> he really doesn't want that fight, I don't think. I, To me personally, his personality and Shannon Briggs, I would just love yeah. to see them not even fight, just the just the build up would be fine for me. If they can just cut it <laughs> off after that I'd be good. But, you know, that's the no, only logical fight to me. I actually want to see the fight too. Um that that's an interesting fight to me. And you know, I think they're both rated in the top ten in the WBA, so it it, it mm-hmm. works as an eliminator. Now if you're Shannon Briggs with people, do you really want that fight though? Because you know Shannon he has to be real careful who he fights, you know, he's trying to get the Switchville fight. Even that one to me is not a safe step for him. No, it's not not all that safe, but if Klitschko doesn't show interest and he hasn't so far, then he might have to be somebody, you know, with a pulse to you know, to to at least, you know, gather some kind of interest. And um, at 46 years of age, Antonio Tarver still has a pulse. So, um, really, if 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 you can't be a guy like Tarver, you have no business being in the ring with Vladimir Klitschko. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I do want to pose this to you guys. There's something that that I that, that happened throughout the broadcast, especially during the Tarver Banks fight. They really annoyed the bejesus out of me. You know, Teddy Atlas repeatedly, I mean repeatedly saying, you know, if Jonathan Banks loses, Klitschko should fire him as as his trainer. What what, what is Klitschko thinking of this? Like, I mean, is he trying to lobby for that job, training Vladimir Klitschko? Why was he so (laughs) – I mean, I I did not get that. It was like, what was was his whole reasoning behind that? Because he was – it wasn't just once or twice. It was like literally, I I think I counted at one time like a good – 
ten times uh, within the first couple of rounds uh, of the fight. I mean, why, why would he push that so much to say Banks should be fired if he were to lose against Antonio Tarver? It's like saying that, uh, well, Teddy, can you get in the ring and beat Tarver? <laughs> you know, could, can any other trainer do it? No. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to be able to fight to be a trainer. It's, it's, it's not relevant. You know, part of that probably could have been him trying to keep himself entertained, too, because, you know, he was having to sit there through that. So you got to factor that in, too. But I think you're on to something, yeah. Brandon, as far as uh, him just trying to throw any type of shade he could at uh, at uh, Banks, you know? Yeah, and, you know, Teddy probably looking for a job, too, because training Vladimir Klitschko is money. <laughs> exactly. And it's easy money at that, I mean, because right now in the heavyweight division, there isn't anyone who poses an immediate threat to Vladimir. Vladimir's going to fight a couple more years, we, at least we think. Uh, he did just have his kid here uh, over the last uh, week or so. So, I mean, that may change things for him long term. He may only fight another year or two. Who knows? But, I mean, maybe Teddy wants those checks because he never got those checks he uh, could get with Klitschko like he did with uh, uh, Beckett. So, I don't know. Maybe he's just trying to maybe throw his hat in the ring one more time to try to get a payday, but... Whatever. I, I thought that was just really greasy him to do that. And why somebody in the truck in the ESPN didn't tell him to cool out with that. <laughs> now, now also, who, got, who got TV on in the background? Not me. That'd be me. Okay. Look at, look at Ryan doing like a, do, directing here and being a working in the studio. Right on, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but, but you know, the, the quote-unquote main event of the night was, um, you know, Austin Trout making a, another bid towards a comeback. Um, yay, won, but it wasn't spectacular. Uh, is Austin Trout a legit threat at 154, and does he deserve a rematch against any of the guys that he had listed off, uh, whether it be Canelo, Lara, or even uh, another fight with Cotto? Uh, do any of those fights make sense, or is he kind of now behind the Charlo brothers and now has to wait in line and wait his turn? No, he's definitely not behind the Charlos. That that that's a step too far. But um, he's looking at like an an, an Andre at best at the moment, and um, due to the network situation, that's probably not going to work out. So I really don't know what he's got. I think his best bet right now, at least for the first quarter of 2015, is pretty much to kind of keep doing what he's doing now and just keep him busy and just hoping someone eventually fights. As far as those rematches, the Laura one, of course, makes no sense because Laura just completely, you know, whitewashed him. That's a horrible matchup for him. We all know who Cotto has eyes on for 2015, so he's nowhere in the picture for that. Um, Charlo Brothers, you know, they're making good money with the competition that they're fighting. That kind of leaves uh, Austin kind of the odd man out at that realm. So, but he's, he's looking better. I mean, the first fight, his first comeback fight, he got knocked down, what, twice? You know, this one, he pretty much dominated the guy for the most part. Got a stoppage, his first stoppage in a while. So he's a legit guy at the weight well, class. You know, we all know he's skilled. We all know he's a very good fighter. Quasi-stoppage. Yeah. That boy just <laughs> true. quit. <laughs> true, true. So, I mean, he's he's still an upper echelon guy at the weight class. You know, just unfortunately he doesn't have the backing right now, but he's getting the exposure again. I mean, just keep fighting. You know, eventually one of those guys will bite. But it's going to... It's going to be rough for him for the first half of the year if he's looking to get a top guy, which I know is going to be frustrating for him considering 
where he was right after the Cotto fight, but that's the nature of the sport. I I have to agree. I think he is pretty much, uh, you know, the Charlo brothers really don't need him because they got Showtime, they got Al Heyman. But Austin Trout also has Al Heyman, so stranger things have happened. Um, I, I'm kind of like you. I think he's going to probably have one of these more lower-tier fights where he's going to be headlining a card but a, a much uh, smaller degree. And then after that, if he can, I think what he needs, he needs at least one more spectacular, like a spectacular win to really get the buzz. Maybe, you know, a service-like win, maybe not do so much for him, but I think if he can get a stoppage next time out, eh, you know, maybe here, you know, spring, he can maybe get something bigger on his plate uh, for 2015. Uh, one other thing there, a part of that card that, that kind of, I wasn't on that outrage by it. it was Tyson Cade moving, losing a uh, what ESPN called a sickening uh, decision to Oscar Escadano, Escadano, however you enunciate it. Um, but it was a split decision loss, and you know, uh, and Teddy Atlas almost looked like he was going to poop his pants. He was so upset. We had Twitter pretty much going ballistic uh, for the most part. I frankly didn't care. Um, I, I honestly was not impressed by uh, by Cave. Um, I thought if he didn't do some showboating and dancing, that probably lost him the fight, quite honestly. Now, one of the scores was uh, 117 to 111, which was a bit out there. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, it was eh, – it's kind of one of those things that is what it is. I mean, you, you guys just thoughts on, the, on his split decision loss. I mean, does he have himself to blame for that, or was that really poor judging there on the judge's part? I think the judges do take into account, you know, um, showboating. I think that makes it harder for you to win fights. And that's that, that's the only logical reason I can see for scoring against Cave because, I mean, on, you know, clean punching, he, he clearly won the fight. Escadone, I mean, he was, you know, he was trying to walk Cave down, but, you know, he just, his footwork wasn't there. And he just wasn't letting his hands go. You know, he couldn't cut off the ring. It just Cave pretty much did what he wanted. And um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, it wasn't nice to watch. It wasn't pretty. Um, Cave can't really punch, but I mean, Escadon wasn't really hitting him that often. You know, more than a couple rounds. So uh, it's I, I just I like I, I don't see where you score rounds for Escadon based off of anything else than. Cave penalizing Cave for, you know, the way he's behaving. And even then, it was still, you know, just like you were saying, Ryan, very difficult to justify him losing that fight. It's like, how much are you docking him for the showboating to the fact that he loses the fight? So, and the kind of touch on what you said, Brandon, that's always going to be the problem. It's like we're just so used to these wild decisions when it comes to boxers that if it isn't a big-name fight, we're kind of just like, eh, that's the way it is. And it shouldn't be like that. You know, we always have to wonder what's happening with these judges. Are they even being reevaluated? Are they made? Because they claim that when things like this happen, the commission meets with them, kind of gets their idea of why they scored it this way, if they need to get more education or more training for the next time out. That's what they say that they do. But how do we know that's even happening? You know, for this to keep happening over and over again, you know, obviously to me it's not happening as far as this training you know, we have no justification of why they're actually scoring fights like this. And kind of like what Teddy was saying, you know, these guys, they put their lives on the line. Anytime you step in the ring, there's a real possibility of serious injury or death. So at the very least, you know, you want these guys to be given a fair shake in the ring like that, and it's not happening. 
You know, it's very, very unfortunate. And we know we always claim that we want something to be done, but it's like, what's the answer? You know, when we have so many commissions all over the country, they're pretty much able to do what they want. You know, and then that's why we're seeing decisions like this over and over again. Uh, absolutely. And I mean, maybe the thing that caught me the, to be the most shocking that it went in, uh, you know, the disadvantage of Taylor and him losing that split decision is he's a Heyman fighter. And very rarely well, And then I found out the other guy was a Heyman fighter. So I, that was just weird. It, that that part kind of threw me off like, wow, an Al Heyman fighter actually losing a split decision. And they were like, no, he's also a Heyman fighter. It's like, well, well. And that's a new wrinkle to it, but I, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things to where I really do hope uh, these judges are being held accountable and being held to task. But unfortunately, what we're seeing, and, and we'll talk about this a little bit later about the HBO card, they're not. I mean, you'll see some of these same judges who did horrible scoring here this past weekend. First quarter of next year, they'll be judging somewhere else. You won't hear about them getting fined. You won't hear about them uh, being suspended for you know so many months or can't work certain cards. Um, but unfortunately, it's this. It's just boxing, and and that's that's sad. That's really sad that it's just that's kind of how I chop it up. Is it's just boxing, but uh, it, it's it's a shame. Um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna pause on the, the Friday card from um, Showtime. We'll maybe wait till Jandra uh, joins us because I don't know. I may feel I, I feel maybe some slander may come from her. So we're gonna pause on that one. But what we're going to talk about <laughs> the card you were at, Ryan, there on uh, on Saturday night. Uh, featuring, you know, some young stars, young pro- I wouldn't say even prospects. I, I would say people really emerging uh, from top rank out there in Philly. Man, Philly, y'all really have a lot of fights out there in Philly. I'm, I'm noticing that more and more. Shout out to Daryl Cobb, uh, who did some spectacular photos. You can catch those on badculture.net. Uh, and Ryan did a, a fantastic recap there of those cards, um, of the fights there on the card. Um, Ryan, man, let, let, let the people know what, what they should – um, maybe be looking forward to in those fighters that we saw here uh, Saturday night uh, going into 2015 from top rank. Well, uh, Felix Verdejo and Jesse Hart headlined the card. I think they both came in at about 15 and 0. Um, Verdejo had 11 knockouts. Khan had, I mean, uh, Hart had 12. And they, they picked up extra one in their fights because it really was not difficult at all. Um, their opponents had experience, but you know, not winning experience against this quality of opposition. And, you know, they uh, they got him out of there. Um, Hart knocked this guy out in two rounds, and uh, Verdejo did it in, what was it? Was it four? Or Yeah, four. Um, You know, these guys look like the goods. Um, Hart is still a little too... He he really tries for the knockout. I mean he I mean it's 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 great to watch. Uh, I, he, he's definitely TV friendly, but I mean he really really goes for the knockout. Like you know he he needs to relax a little more and ju- and just let it come naturally. And you know maybe he'll do that when he when he fights opponents that are um, that he respects because like at the moment he's, he's been in there with guys that you know he knows he's supposed to blow over. Um, but if, if he fights a guy that he knows, you know, who, who can actually, you know, give him some trouble and might have a chance of beating him, then, then maybe he'll, he'll, um, you know, become more composed in the ring. But I mean, the athleticism is just, is, is there. Uh, I mean, the, uh, the, the power, um, the speed, um, I mean, his frame, he's, he's a huge super middleweight. So. Um, anybody that's going to try to get some of that is, is, is in for 
you know, for a lot of work. Verdejo, you know, he's the uh, Puerto Rico's best hope at the moment, uh, at least for their future. You know, Miguel Cotto is still at the top of the sport, but, you know, his days are numbered. And you figure that uh, uh, at least yeah, Easy with that with the Cotto talk. <laughs> you know, you know, I'm one of the super fans here. Be, be easy with that. But, okay. <laughs> well, let's put it like this. Uh, if, if Cotto is carefully match-made for, you know, the remainder of his career, he, he might – he might be able to fade into the sunset, you know, over a reasonable amount of time. But I right, appreciate mo- that. That works. Okay, I can say that. I I, I can give him that. But uh, just just hope your boy doesn't get in there with Triple G because that's the end of him. <laughs> <laughs> funeral time. That would be an official funeral. I will cry. I, I will literally <laughs> break down in tears. I'm not even lying to you about it. That if I find out that fight gets booked, I'm literally going to set somewhere. I will I will cry. I'll even put it on Instagram and just tell him and plead with him, don't don't fight. Don't take the fight. It's not needed. We love you. If you have a family, don't do it. You know Cotto's crazy enough to take a fight like that, too, knowing his track record. He is. He is. He's got too much pride. And I mean, I, I saw them actually at the WBC con, uh, convention, which, by the way, WC, WBC, still locking me. No big deal. But, you know, he kinda, he, they were kinda, like, Triple G was, like, looking in like he was neat. So it was, it was very uncomfortable to look at that. Like, you know, this isn't going to end well, but, eh. All right, so um, those are two of the bouts. Um, it was a nine-bout car, so it was a very long time that I was at this event. And uh, I scored every single one of the bouts. Um I wasn't happy by the end of it, but um, <laughs> this job got done. Um, let's see some other prospects on the card, at least with top rank that you're going to see on TV. Uh, Khan, Clary, although he didn't he didn't make the solo box sale uh, edition this time. Julian Rodriguez, he also wasn't put on TV, but him, he 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 knocks people out a lot. And he did so on this night, too. Uh, I'm not sure if Christopher Diaz is with Top Ranker. I'm not sure who he's with, actually. Um, oh, yeah, and there was a heavyweight bout. The heavyweight bout was interesting. They they put it in as a swing bout, like, at the end of the broadcast, I think. Um, George Arias, which is funny because he, he actually is Hispanic, but his name is George and not Jorge. But um, he he kind of looked like kind of looked like Joe Frazier in there, um, bobbing and weaving. Um, he he fought like a throwback heavyweight, so you know might want to look out for him in the future. He's that this was only his second fight. He 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 would want to buy a shutout, you know, forty to thirty six on all scorecards. The the fight I liked the most was the uh, Thomas Amana and uh, Gilbert Alex Sanchez fight, which was a middleweight fight. Amana, um, he's like what, fifteen and zero, well sixteen and zero now, um, and they call him Cornflake, uh, uh, probably because of the skin color. Uh, I'm not entirely sure though, but that would be my guess. He's a white boy, but he's uh, you know he, he fights out of Philly and Jersey, and uh, he holds his own. Um, I it was kind of like uh, like a Mayweather Jose Luis Castillo fight at a lower level, you know. Um, um, yeah, Lamana was like, you know, shoulder rolling and uh you know, just sliding off the ropes and uh Sanchez was just trying to, you know, outwork on activity, you know, going to the body, but um it really wasn't connecting with a lot of uh, effective punches. 
And, uh, you know, the, the crowd, some of the crowd booed because it was it was a hard, very largely Hispanic crowd. And, uh, you know, so they they didn't think Sanchez wanted to fight, but Lamont clearly outboxed him. And it, but it was a war, though. It was definitely definitely a, a great fight to watch. And that, some other guys in the car, Fred Jenkins Jr., you know, that's the son of um, the Hall of Fame trainer, well, at least I think he's a Pennsylvania Hall of Fame trainer, um, Fred Jenkins Sr., who trains Brian Jennings, who, as you know, is going to be fighting Klitschko pretty soon. Uh and uh, there was upset on the card. Um, Nathaniel Rivas got knocked out in the fifth round by Juan Rodriguez. And, um, yeah, just read my recap on that and all the other fights. It's on badculture.net. Absolutely, badculture.net. You can also see some fantastic photos uh, from our brother, uh, Daryl Cobb. Now, I'll, I'll ask you this now. Do you think Felix has the opportunity to maybe this time next year I don't know if this would be maybe rushing it, but maybe this time next year he's kind of in the position to where Terrence Crawford is in now and maybe getting that push from top rank, or would this time next year be a little bit too far in advance for him to get that kind of look and that kind of push from top rank? Um, if They, they, they could give him a, a, a Brady's Prescott level fight next year. I think he is ready for that. Um, but you know, what was Riz Prescott for, for Crawford? Was that 2013? Uh, that, yes. that must have been 2012. 12. Yeah. I think that might have been the back in the 12, because that one on the uh, Pacquiao-Marquez card. Let's see. Crawford yeah. fought Prescott in 2013. It was um, March. March, okay. Okay, so yeah. So yeah, he could, he could have a, a um, 2013 Terrence Crawford year, but not not definitely not a 2014 year. Yeah, jumping so that far ahead, that would be that would that would definitely be rushing it. Because remember, he is 21 years old, and keep in mind the type of guys he's been fighting lately. That's always kind of the the tricky part with a, a hot prospect like him. It's like you do want him to not get stagnant fighting the same level of guys he can completely he's completely been blowing out. But you don't want to push him too quick, where he kind of gets the shock when he's put into a level that. A little too fast for him. So yeah, well, I mean, Brady Prescott, that would be a good idea, a good litmus test, as opposed to trying to throw him in on like Gamboa's level yeah. or Beltran level. That would be right. a little too much next year. But let, let's think who who's who's the lightweight Brady Prescott. Hmm. Mm. Oh, you know what? Maybe Amf Diaz. That's that's who I'm thinking of. Amf Diaz. Okay, let's go on. So, I mean, I think next maybe give him somewhat of a – more of a push, more of a challenge. But I do look for top rank to really – they're going to really push him forward, I think, next year because it's one of those things to where they're going to need more younger stars. And there's – I mean, he's really the star in the making because Cotto probably has two or three fights, if that, left in him. You're going to need somebody to kind of fill that demographic uh, for them. And, I mean, Felix perfectly fits that mold. Good kid, great smile. A pause. Pause on that. Uh, but, you know, fans <laughs> like him. And, I mean, the thing is this, like, you can put – and it seems like you can almost put him in any city and people are going to come out. I mean, Philly here last weekend, uh, he had a lot of people in Orlando when he was on the uh, Cotto undercard uh, against Delta Rodriguez who were there cheering for him. So, I mean, I think he's one of those guys that if you keep him – you kind of can – 
putting him in almost anywhere, and fans will kind of flock to him, especially uh, of Puerto Rican descent there along the East Coast. So I just see that as being something they're going to continue to bubble and build upon. So you know, good luck to him, man. And Jesse Hart as well. Jesse Hart seems like one of those guys to where, like you said, Ryan, I, I, when the fights I've seen up him, he seems like sometimes he tries too hard for the KO, but hey, maybe that's one of those things he'll live and he'll learn. He can't always, you know, live by that 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 sword mentality because you can't get your head chopped off. Not a good look, but um, Yo, let's now get of, to the um, this. Wait, wait, wait. Uh-oh. Speaking of Verdejo's uh, star power and Philly, I could have swore he's from Philadelphia. That that's how nut nuts the crowd went mm-hmm. when he was, you know, brought to the ring. I couldn't believe it. Like Jesse Hart from Philly didn't get an ovation as loud as he got. It was it was unbelievable. Yeah, the twenty three arena was packed. Packed. Never seen it that packed before. Completely sold out. It, they, they they had a bunch of people in standing standing room only. You know tickets. So the guy is um, he can come back to Philly anytime he wants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he, he, he might sure. he might be able to sell 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 tickets better than Bernard Hopkins here pretty soon. Wow. I mean, I, I gotta say this about about you guys out there in Philly because it seems very and, and maybe I'm kind of looking through jaded glasses because. You know, with all of us, you know, being here at Bad Culture, and, and I see you guys working so much, but it just seems like you guys always have events out there. Everybody comes out and supports if they're in town, if they're a fellow friends, they come out and support. But I, I, I don't see that in other cities like it seems like you guys have there. I mean, it just seems like the energy is crazy. It's everybody supports and loves each other for the most part. What was the question? <laughs> I was just saying, like, how, like, jeez, jeez, Ryan, you're losing me here. Just saying, like, how you guys always out there in Philly, you always have cards, everybody comes out and supports. It, it just seems kind of crazy to me that I don't see that in other cities, uh, uh, you know, in boxing. I just don't see it. Well, and how you know, we've produced 30 world champions. I mean, most most of the countries in the world haven't produced 30 world champions. So, I mean, when you're at that, that kind of level, it's just boxing is is Philly. It, it's just it's in our DNA. In your DNA, okay. Now something that's not in people's DNA. Let let's let's get to the the the. Uh, I'm not even going to touch the interview portion of this fight, the fight card. But let's touch on Friday night's uh, Showtime. Was it uh, was the show? I don't I don't even know what it was labeled. I don't know if it was a Showtime card. I couldn't really watch all of it oh, yeah. because it was annoying and I was watching MMA. But you mean the TMC card? Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm just going to say. Yo, think, Ishe, hey, man, Ishe he, still he, put up a hell of a fight. He did better than we did. all he thought did. he would do. He did. Absolutely. Absolutely. I will I will definitely tip my cap to him that he actually hung in there. He didn't get his, his top completely boxed off like we thought he would. He did. I mean, he lost, but he never. It was never like one of those things where he's completely whitewashed. But you could tell he was frustrated. No, it was. I thought. I thought he did almost as well as Canelo. Hmm. Mm, let me let me think about that. That far Well, the the effort was there. I think that's not as bad a comparison now that I'm thinking about it. The effort was there. I think his lower was a little bit better than he was in the, the Canelo fight for the most part. That's why the scores were a little bit more lopsided. I mean, it was just it was just a talent thing. There was only so much that uh, E.J. Smith could do with somebody like Laura. 
especially after that first round where Laura was just like, okay, you know, I'm going to stay put for a little bit, see what you got, and then fight my regular fight. You know, once he did that, his options were kind of limited as far as what he was going to be able to land on Laura. I mean, I like, I like personally like watching Laura fight. So I was, you know, I didn't have any problems falling asleep or anything like that. You know, I was pretty much engaged for the majority of the fight. Um, now, the other fights, that was, you know, a little bit more difficult to watch. But um, it was a solid main event to me, you know. So I think Laura, he did what he needed to do to shut up any naysayers about him for the most part. I mean, if you don't like him by now, you're never going to. But he's pretty much keeping his name in the mix at 154. Um, he should be getting a title shot again. I mean, well, he has a title already, but a unification fight wouldn't be a bad idea for him. We'll see who's willing to bite on it, though. Yeah, um, it was. I I I watched Laura Smith live. The rest of the card, I to, I watched later that night. Um, I, I I'm still not sure if TMC actually has a legit prospect on their roster. I I just don't see it, and I hope Floyd is saving his money, and I think he's going to make a ton of money promoting because those guys. No, thank you. <laughs> it's it's well, it's yeah. rough. It's really rough. I think you always got to keep this in mind. I mean, it, when you look at a lot of these guys with the promotions that they start and the fighters, the rosters that they get, I think we always have to remember it is not easy to find champions, like legit world champions, you know, when you're trying to nurture guys and bring them up and all that. It's not easy. It's, you know, you're lucky to find one out of one or two out of, uh, you know, 25 people on your roster maybe as far as legit world champions that can really compete and hold the title for a long period of time. So I think what we're seeing now is we're seeing a lot of prospective maybe contenders. You know, Pearson, he looked pretty good. I thought that was a good fight for him to get better. We'll see what he can do with that. That was a solid fight. The Badu Jack, I think he's still in rebuilding mode. So, you know, the verdict is still kind of out on him. He was on the verge of a title shot too you know, before that knockout loss. I think we kind of seen, though, where his ceiling might be in the future. But, I mean, the the guys that they have now, I don't think we're just, is going to be any can-miss prospect. But, you know, there's still a, a small promotion. You know, Mayweather isn't retired yet. So all of his funds and everything aren't really focused on TNT yet. I just think they're still getting used to throwing cars and being competent in that regard. I think we're not really going to see what Floyd and company can do with that imprint until... I think at least a year or two after he's done actually fighting. I mean, before you can really put a verdict out on, you know, what they can do. Ryan, your your thoughts on the the roster and the the state of what we saw Friday night from the uh Mayweather promoted fighters? Man, Mayweather Frost's got world champion Mickey Bay and they got Floyd. What do you want? They got two world champions. E. J. Smith was world champion, they've had they've had three. This is not as far as accomplishments go, this is not a, a terrible promotion. I mean, it's not like they have 50 fighters. They have, like, I know, like, a dozen of their fighters and, what, three of them world champions, so they're doing okay. I totally forgot about Mickey Bay. Yeah, forget Mickey Bay, Mickey Bay. Now, I, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm not even going to respond to the interview portion that Floyd gave they're on Showtime. I, I'll leave it up to you too, if you want to. If you want to comment, because it's, it's like this. I, I I'm going to say this to all the Ruckus listeners and anybody who follows me on Twitter. I'm saying this here right now. 
from here on out until the fight actually happens, I am not mentioning Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao in the same breath until the fight happens. Unless it's going to happen, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear you getting on interviews. You're talking about, well, uh, he lost to so-and-so, and uh, he ain't got star power. He ain't got drawing power. Like, stop. Just just, just make the fight. Just just literally make the fight. If you're not concerned about anything, you're going to make your money. Make the fight. Just stop. Stop. I'm sick of him going on television, sounding halfway illiterate, talking, stuttering, and, and then, blah, 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 blah. stop. Just go in the office, sit down, and make the fight. One thing I will say that kind of threw me off though about the weekend, and I'm going to let you guys address the interview, is I could have swore that he had said Leonard Ellaby was no longer part of Mayweather Promotions here back in September. No, Why didn't Leonard Ellaby pop up? He, he he said that he did say that that he was parting ways with him. That sometimes no, they, they said they weren't seeing eye to eye on certain things. He didn't say that they were splitting. You know what? I'm trying. I think I vaguely recall what you're talking about, Ryan. It might have been one of those fight hype interviews. I don't. Um, yeah, was, I think it was on much. all access too. Uh, yeah, because you didn't see, you didn't see him there at the uh, you know during the epilogue. He wasn't there fight night, but I, I thought it was some sort of riff there, and he was gone. And then I was looking at the weigh-ins, and like there's Leonard Elby, bright shiny head and all, smiling from ear to ear, grinning. I'm like, oh, oh, so we're doing this now. This is what's hot in the streets. So man, I think I, I, Floyd is, is distancing him from his own like you know training camp, and like he's just you know being more of a promoter now. And not so much like you know the guy in Floyd's corner and you know hand, like handling him like a manager would because that that's kind of how their relationship was before. And I think Floyd is getting away from that. So Ryan, let me ask okay. you since we're talking about we're talking about this interview, what how likely do you think it is that we're going to see Mayweather and Pacquiao in May? Um. You know, I give it a better shot now than I have, you know, since since 2010. You know, when when it was first hot. This is this is about as close as we've ever been. Uh, uh, the options are running thin for these guys. Um, I mean, Mayweather's best plan B is, is Amir Khan, and he knows that that's all sorts of problems. <laughs> you know, it's like when when your plan B is Amir Khan, you know, you might as well fight Pacquiao because. Because you're going to get what, like three times the money, <laughs> or at least twice the money. Um, would be three times the money if 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 um, Pacquiao took the the splits that uh, may, normal Mayweather opponents do. And see, that's the thing with Mayweather. He it, this is number one number one reason the fight has been made. Mayweather likes to take most of the money in fights. Like you don't, you really don't understand. His opponents are getting basically nothing <laughs> compared to what exactly. He's even exactly. Canelo, as, as, as much as Canelo was able to bring into that fight, that they set all-time pay-per-view records, he only gave him a small piece. Canelo only, Floyd went home with over 70 million. Canelo took, like, what, 16? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if a guy like Canelo is only getting uh, a, a fraction like that, you know Pacquiao is not going to get anywhere near 50-50. And that's, and that's what they've been trying to negotiate on the top-ranked side, you know. I could see them going to, to 60-40. Um, and I think if the fight does get made, that's that's probably where it's going to have to be. Like I, I know Mayweather doesn't want sixty forty. You know he wants even more than that. But 
if if Todd Bryan agrees to sixty forty, he might just have to bite the bullet on and take it. But that's honestly that's that's the only way I see it getting made. I definitely agree. I think it's the closest we've been simply because you got both of them at least publicly at the same time talking about wanting to do it. You know, before it was always one or the other trying to sell it um, about the fight happening. So I definitely agree on that end. I still just like, you know, just like you are, Brandon, I really don't have any enthusiasm about it until I hear about it actually being signed because, I mean, we're it's, – it's about to be 2015. You know, this is years have gone by when we've been dealing with this nonsense. You know, we know that Showtime, they got their executives involved. They're big-name executives beyond Espinosa, so that's a good thing. Um, and I think on the other end, you know, I do agree with what Pacquiao was saying as far as Floyd kind of being backed in the corner. Pacquiao's kind of backed in the corner, too, but more so on Floyd because his contract is so big. You know, he really needs to make a big splash with his next fight. Tom's a solid I, opponent. I don't think it's on you know, him, though. Like, Showtime will take a loss. But his his money is guaranteed. <laughs> that's what I mean. You know? I mean, Showtime they don't they don't want to take another loss. So, I mean, yeah, right. yeah that, that's why they're, they're pushing yeah. for the fight. That that's what it is. Showtime is actually pushing to get Pacquiao in the ring with Floyd, and that's that's the big difference here. Before, you know, when it was entirely up to Floyd who he was going to fight, then yeah, it wasn't looking good uh, for for a Pacquiao fight. But now now that uh, uh, you got Manny Pacquiao and uh, and Amir Khan as as uh, Showtime's uh, two front runners. Floyd's like you know hell, <laughs> not 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 exactly two good options here. So or or easy options so to speak. And then you well, got fellas, the leverage I'll, of I'll the uh, Canelo and Cotto fight. There's leverage that's in the background. If he doesn't make that fight, he'll get his, his possibly is what they're saying get his date taken. Yeah. Although you know, I'm I'm still curious about how they do that date taking thing because um, Floyd can still announce that he's going to have a pay per view on that date, and it's going to be up to the cable companies to pick who gets the the primary pay per view slot. And I don't see them picking against Floyd. I just don't like whether boxing fans know what's the better fight or not. You know that the powers that be are going to pick the Floyd fight. And if the other fight has to go to the secondary pay-per-view channel, which isn't carried on all, you know, networks, uh, um, I mean, um, all cable companies, so they they would just drop the pay-per-view immediately. I think the reason they're talking about it as far as the date being taken, well, of course we're assuming, is just because even if Floyd announces whoever he's going to fight, let's say he announces he's going to fight Khan, at this point I think he's still going to have to get uh, Golden Boy involved as far as the promotion and the hype and all that because maybe the promotion doesn't have the infrastructure yet to do that. So Oscar still has to at least sign off on it and be involved. So I think they're trying to make it as far as, well, if Oscar says he's not going to be involved or Golden Boy is not well, going to be involved. Well, I think Oscar's kind of obligated to, to, to make Mayweather Khan, like, as a promoter. Like, he can't – I don't think he can block that fight from happening with with doing a, a Canelo-Cotto fight. Like I think that he he would be in breach of some kind of act, but I'm not sure. But it just, it just sounds a little a little suspect to me. It is iffy because I've been hearing some other rumors that Khan is actually quote unquote a free agent now too. I don't know how much truth there is to that because I assume he was still a Golden Boy fighter and just had Heyman advising him. But you know we're not seeing none of their contracts. So it's like you're saying we really don't know for sure how it would actually work. And if they could, like, if 
uh, Oscar and Aaron could really be like, well, no, you know, we're not working with you, period. We're not giving you Pacquiao. We're not giving you Khan. You're just going to have to move. You know, how, like you said, how legal is that to really happen? It's very interesting. Very, very interesting. And also we have to factor in that Canelo, according to him and Oscar, they've actually agreed to everything, quote-unquote, whatever contract they have for a Cotto fight. They've agreed on their part. They're just waiting on Cotto. You know, that could be a leverage thing that they're doing, or they could really be telling the truth that they're actually halfway done with that fight already. Um, so if Khan doesn't get Mayweather, um, what are the chances that he fights Kell Brook? I think that's, I'm, that's a good fight, but I think it's slim to none, simply because, you know, Brook isn't really that known in the U.S. to make a pay-per-view fight, I think, and that would be the main thing working against him. And I don't think Mayweather's going to, you know, he's not fighting outside of Vegas. I don't see him going to Wembley where that fight could be huge. So I think that's kind of like bare minimum, minimum that fight happening. I, I would be shocked if he did a fight like that. Kind of the same thing with Thurman, too, but at least he's been on the high-profile high card his last fight. Um, I don't see that one happening either. As much as people have been talking about that, even Thurman and stuff, I'd be surprised, you know, literally shocked to be able to take that one, too. I think it's either Pacquiao or Khan at this point. Anyone else would be, like, a very big curveball that I wouldn't see coming. Well, judging based on Thurman's performance this past weekend, Floyd might be sitting back licking his chops looking at uh... Oh, hi, guys. Hey. Hello. Yeah, I'm like, hey. I was like, who's this? Like, who's this? <laughs> Hello, 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 everyone. I have escaped Christmas program purgatory. Thank you, thank you. I'm happy to be with you. You can only see, you know, Silent Night and Jingle Bell Rock done by eight, nine, and ten-year-olds so many times before you want to crawl out of your skin. Thank God mine's 11. Hi, guys. So we're talking uh, Con and Mayweather and Kel Brook and Keith Thurman. You know, forgive me for chiming in a conversation late. And hello, listeners. Thank you. This is Giandra. I'm just now joining you live from uh, the land of Catholic school and Christmas programs. And I'm jumping in late into the conversation. Based on Thurman's performance, I don't know how much of Thurman's performance you guys have already dissected. Have you guys gotten into that topic yet? Uh, no, I haven't talked about Thurman. Oh, okay. Well, good. Then I, I, will, I will jump. I'll leave you guys where you are. It sounded like you were talking about Khan Mayweather, Mayweather saying Khan is not his focus right now. You know, the WBC convention is going on in Las Vegas. Uh, it started either Sunday or Monday. Shout out to uh, the WBC and the good folks at Supreme Boxing who are working hard with that event over there. And, you know, they had the whole parade of champions and then different video. I think Floyd did a video with um, Marcos Villegas, also a friend of mine, correspondent, co-worker of mine over at the Boxing Channel, saying that, his focus right now is not Amir Khan because he has no drawing power. He has no name. That his focus is Manny Pacquiao. Now, based on Floyd saying that, so is he saying that Robert Guerrero was a bigger draw? No, than Khan no. Or he just, he just doesn't want to fight. He doesn't want to fight Khan. He doesn't want to fight Khan. He's saying he's saying the same stuff about Khan that he said about Margarito when he you know he got out of his top rank deal and uh, and started fighting Golden Boy fighters. So Khan is is because it's 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 a it's, it's a hard fight. It's not Khan is not going to run into shots, and at least not. I don't think he'll do it with Virgil Hunter in his corner. 
I mean, maybe mm-hmm. the old Khan would, would, would get stupid, but you no, know, Khan is going to try to fight long and, you know, just probably make Floyd chase him around the ring. And that's Floyd not trying to chase anybody around the ring. He's 38 years old. So that's, it's, it's not looking attractive. Um, and Floyd would not have a hand speed advantage. So that's, Floyd might have to knock him out to win, uh, <laughs> which is it's still very doable. But um, it's, it's you know it's just it's just it's it's um it's a difficult fight. So now he's looking at Pacquiao and saying, you know what, let me finally you know get this fight out of the way because this is nobody else that I can easily dispatch out there that they're trying to you know give me the fight. So then, so riddle me this. So then, by saying, oh, you know, Khan is not a bigger name. The only name I'm interested in is Pacquiao. Is he trying to say that Pacquiao is an easier fight than fighting Khan? Um, perhaps he might be saying that. But at, at the very least, he's saying if I'm going to have the choice between two hard fights, I'd rather have the one that's going to pay me twice as much. And keep in mind, at least Pacquiao is a, is a, I'll say at least Pacquiao is a little bit more reckless, too. So that gives Floyd a little right. bit more countering opportunities, just like Ryan was saying. And we, we also have to give Khan some credit because look at what we're saying about him giving Mayweather a hard fight. And, and think about what we were saying about Khan and Mayweather immediately after he fought Julio Diaz as far <laughs> as where he was as a fighter. Wow. Here we are a little bit yeah. over a year later, and we're giving him credit for giving, you know, giving Floyd you know, one of the toughest fights that he can have at this point. So I guess we got to credit Virgil Hunter. Yes, too. yes. Mean, Virgil okay. Hunter is um, <laughs> comeback trainer of the year. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's a win in itself for, for Khan to be in this situation because, you know, we've laughed at him for years, you know, when he talked years. about the Mayweather fight. He's been talking about fighting Mayweather since around the Peterson fight, even before then. Right. And he's actually at a point now where it is a feasible fight where people can actually see him winning. That's amazing to me that he's at this point. But, yeah, um, yeah I think it's because Pacquiao's a little more reckless. You know, that's a more appealing fight to him. And, you know, just more. shorter, shorter, shorter arms. You know, mm-hmm. Mayweather's, you know, part of his key to success is um, keeping guys at the end of his jab. And Mayweather has very long arms. I mean, his, his arms are even a little bit longer than Khan's. But at least with Khan, you know, Khan with that height, it, it, it would make it, you know, he would be able to, Get closer than and than a lot of the other guys could, and um, with Manny, he he can still he can still definitely hit him before Manny is is anywhere near you know close enough to hit him. So for for me, that's that's a a more winnable fight from from a technique perspective. Absolutely, absolutely. But I mean, since we're diving into it now, wow! You know, Ryan, last week when we did the show. We both predicted Khan to win. We had what we wanted to happen and what we felt would happen. And you predicted Khan by unanimous decision, if I'm not mistaken. Kudos to you. I predicted Khan by majority decision. But once when I made that prediction, I was basing it upon the Khan that I had seen in these last couple of fights against Colazzo and, and Julio Diaz. I was not ready for the pre-Danny Garcia Khan to come to fight on Saturday night. Good grief. You know, we had Devin on the show here, and I just felt Devin was ready. He seemed like he learned. He capitalized on the mistakes that he made in the fight against Sean Porter. He seemed more focused and ready, but he just had nothing 
to neutralize Amir Khan. It was like every time Khan threw like three punches, he leveled up or something, and he came out faster and faster and faster as the fight went on. It was just crazy. Granted that he's been in kick for about 37 years now since he was supposed to fight Devin Alexander the last time, but Ismail, lob it over to Ismail first since you weren't on the show with us when we were doing the predictions. Was, I mean, were you baffled? When you saw this con emerge, or did you think, you know, Virgil had the potential to, to pull this speed monster out and put him out on the big stage? Oh, no. Remember what I was saying before the fight happened? I was I was the one that was all big on, if Khan stays upright, he's going to win, meaning that I thought he was going to get touched up and, you know, get a close decision. So I was completely shocked at the way he was fighting, how disciplined he was. I mean, he did get a little reckless, but it was isolated spots. You know, it was risk that you wouldn't be uh, completely upset with him taking, you know, as a trainer or even as a con fan. So the fact he was just 100% focused. I mean, he had Devin stylistically beat. You know, everything that Devin normally does to get comfortable in the ring, he couldn't do a con, period. Mm. You know, he could not get a foothold in that fight for 12 full rounds. You know, on the outside, when he tried to be aggressive, everything that he did, he neutralized. I mean, that's that's pretty much one of his best performances, you know, period. You know, I know a lot of people are trying to downplay Devin now, but Devin's been the top 10, you know, welterweight, you know, or top 10 guy, period, even when he was at 140, you know, for the past, you know, five, six years. And, right. you know, Khan Devin, just literally shut him out. Complete. I mean, he shut him out like they dug him up, like they did the kid that fought Provodnikov, like they just found him somewhere. Devin is a formidable opponent. You know, he lost to fight the Porter, but, I mean, one loss doesn't kill a whole career, especially when you have somebody with a resume like Devin Alexander. But, I mean, I was just in in just complete awe of the Amir Khan. I have not watched the fight back since I was I – was, I went back, me and my, my, tech, my Las Vegas two-step that I did all over Vegas all week long. I was at the MGM for the Con Alexander fight and for the Thurman fight. We'll get into that a little bit later. But I have not watched the, the fight back at home because I had to catch up on the, all the other fights that I didn't see. Was Virgil saying anything just so exemplary in the corner to Con? Like, what was, what was he saying in the corner? What was Virgil saying to him, Ismail? Because, Ryan, I know you were at the Verdeo fight. So what was he saying? He was pretty much, he was very, very encouraging. He was very happy. You know, he was basically telling him, you're fighting the perfect fight. Do not get stupid. You know, keep doing what you're doing. He cannot do anything with you. Matter of fact, he was kind of telling him that uh, if you keep this up, you'll be able to get a stoppage in the later round. Um, mm-hmm. But he was telling him that, but he was also telling him not to get more aggressive, stay within the game plan. And, you know, that's exactly what he did. You know, anytime he got caught with a few punches, he would just tell him, you know, just refocus what you've been doing. You know, don't give him any needless opportunities to get any confidence. Stay on him with combinations to make sure he didn't get any confidence. So basically, he didn't really have to make too many, you know, big statements in there about you need to do this, you're not doing this correctly. It was none of that. It was basically he was happy with everything that he was seeing him doing. And there was maybe a little bit of worry in the later rounds. I think he was kind of concerned about maybe Khan running into something. But other than that, it was just basically just uh a little, mostly just cheerleading and encouragement for the most part because he was fighting so well. And, Ryan, looking at Khan's performance, is there anything you saw that you would have instructed differently or any flaw that could use some improvement? Oh, he definitely has flaws. The, the guy is still kind of sloppy with what he does, but 
he just has the the physical gifts to let him get away with it. You know, being taller, longer, and, and faster than Alexander, um, that 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 let him, um, you know, kind of drop his hands after throwing combinations and and not get tagged. Well, sometimes he did get tagged, but you know, Dev is not a big puncher, at least not not at 147. Um, and uh, yeah, he 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 gets away with his with his inadequacies due to his opponents. Like right. he, he'll still be in trouble if he's he's in there with an aggressive, you know, heavy-handed guy. You know, that, that, that you know that forces him to the ropes. And you know, if, if you can stop Khan from moving his feet, he's in, he, and you have heavy hands, he's he's in a world of trouble. So, right. like, I, w- I would love to see a Maidana rematch because I, I still think Maidana could take him. Um, but um, but for for a technical boxer to fight a guy like Khan, that that's shorter and not as long, it's very very difficult to beat Khan. Very difficult. Mm-hmm. Knowing Khan that we the Khan that we have seen in the ring in recent years, Khan. Once he starts kind of feeling himself, he can he can get a little distracted. Can Khan maintain this momentum? Because uh, we've seen Khan, they you know make his way to the top, only to start believing his own hype. You know, we could take it back to the fight with him and Danny Garcia, where you know he just he's like shit. I'm a mere Khan. I got this, and a little bit of that ego kind of led to his detriment in that fight, let him get a little distracted. Or like, you know, how Khan does. He has to prove how tough he is, like most pretty boys have to do. And, you know, he takes a shot, and, you know, instead of taking a little time to regroup, like a low blow or stuff, oh, no, 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 I'm good. I want to jump right back in the fight. Now that Khan is getting back into that direction, can Khan maintain that kind of focus? And that's just my, I don't, I'm not ready to anoint him yet. You know, I'm definitely not a Khan hater, I, you know, I've said before on the show, I've said on my site, you know, I always like Khan's fight. You know, I, I agree with the Chinny notion and all of that, but I'm not ready to annoy him because I don't, I just got to see if he can maintain his focus. It is now, let's see, it is 7.58. We'll be joined uh, shortly by our guest, uh, Mauricio Herrera, who will be talking about, you know, we'll switch over to the other card before we switch back to the uh, Showtime card to talk about his uh, controversial decision the decision against him in the fight against uh, Jose Benavides Jr. that took place on the HBO card. Of course, that card was headlined by uh, Tim Bradley versus Diego Chavez. I definitely want to get into that fight. Jesus Christ. Timothy Bradley was lumped up and not from punches, and he just looked, wow. Like Marvin Hagler boxed him up like he did on Martin. Um, before we get into that, the call-in number is 718-508-9852. For those of you who tune in when Mauricio Herrera is going to be on the show, you have the opportunity to, to win a limited edition T-shirt uh, from the good folks at Supreme Boxing signed by Mauricio Herrera. And also, shout-out to our good friend, uh, Boxing Fanatic. I know most of you probably follow them on Instagram, but, you know, they always got the good stuff, Boxing Fanatic with a K not the proper spelling, F-A-N-A-T-I-K. So if you're not following them on Instagram, you probably should. I've been following them. I think I was following them before I was even blogging. So good, good, good folks to follow. So as we await Mauricio Herrera, he should be calling in in just a moment now. What were, 
let me get you guys the scorecards real quick. How did you score the fight, Ryan? Um, let's see. I thought Herrera won the first three rounds. Then I mm-hmm. thought Benavidez won the next three rounds. And then from seven to twelve, I thought it was all questionable. Um, mm-hmm. But I did think that um, Mauricio won like another another three or four rounds of those. Alrighty, Ryan. Up. Oh. Let's uh, pick up Mauricio right now. You are on with the ruckus. Who am I speaking to? This is Mauricio Herrera. Mauricio El Maestro Herrera, welcome to the ruckus. Thank you for joining us again. Always a pleasure speaking with you. The man of the hour, probably aside from Floyd Mayweather, probably the most talked about man in boxing in the last 48 to 72 hours across the (laughs) boxing social media and boxing news again. Uh, for those of you just joining in, of course, I'm joined by Mauricio Herrera, El Maestro, who was in the fight with Jose Benavidez this past Saturday night at the Cosmo in Vegas on HBO. Uh, didn't receive the decision victory like the fight against Danny Garcia. Most of us watching felt he won the fight on my card. I scored the fight 115-113. Ryan, um, what was your final score, I'm sorry, for the card? Um, I didn't score the last six rounds. Um, But I think that I thought he edged four of them. Ismael, how did you score? I had it uh, 116-112 for Herrera. Okay. Well, Mauricio, let's let's get right back into it. You know, here we are again. The fans and, you know, most of the boxing media watching the fight felt I haven't really heard anyone – say they didn't believe you won the fight. You know, a lot, there were a lot of close rounds. Like Ryan, I also scored I scored the first two rounds for you, the next two for Benavides, and five for you, nine for him, seven through ten for you, and 11 and 12 for, for him. Have you had a chance to go back and watch the fight and kind of reflect on the performance and do your own scoring? Um, yeah, I watched the fight. Uh, I'll be watching it over and over, like always, with the Danny fight, did the same. And, yeah, I mean, the more I see it, the more rounds I start giving myself. Um, I guess the most important thing, I think, is that I won the fight, you know, and um didn't think it was fair in the scoring. Looking, I mean, you know, I'm just not, I'm not even sure what to ask you. You feel you want to fight. Those of us watching the fight, you know, granted, we know that your competitor is promoted by the rival competitor who's headlining the card. You know, you just go in there and fight as your competitor. You guys can't really do anything about the judging. All you can do is fight your fight. Which rounds do you feel, were there any rounds that you watched and you felt like, okay, this is a definite, I know you saw some that were definitely for you, some that were for him. Which did you? Which rounds did you think were kind of close and could have gone either way? I think someone on the fourth round was kind of even. Um, uh, I thought I was winning the, um, most of the beginning, and I gave him like a middle round, one or two rounds, maybe towards the end, another round, maybe three or four rounds at most. Um, but I thought I, I took it all the way to the end too. I thought I closed out real good, being the champion. I thought the I was aggressive in every round, um, taking it to him like the champ should, and 
And I never, you know, I never wanted to give him the lead. Never wanted to give him the control of the fight. So um, even when he let off a combination here and there, uh, that I didn't feel was enough to, you know, to steal around. I would um, try to come back with something, at least, or even show that I was the aggressor and the champion. And and I thought all that was the judges were seeing all that as well. So you know, I felt comfortable that I was winning the fight um, all the way to the end. You know, I even even thought that I was uh, winning the fight, that I even went and, and let it all go the last round, you know, just for just to entertain the fans. All right. Uh, Ryan, do you have a question for Mauricio? Yeah, what was a little unusual to, you know, fight a guy that was, you know, so defensive-minded and, and, you know, interested in countering more than anything? You know, did that... To, to make you lead all the time and, you know, be aggressive, um, was that a little – do you think that perhaps got you tagged more than you normally would have been hit? Um, yeah, just, uh, well, you know, one shot here and there that would land. Yeah, I think that's um, why, why he would tag me. Uh, I mean, he, wouldn't, he wasn't able to throw a full combo and land. I think uh, by doing it that way, he was able to land by just waiting for a counter. Uh, but it would be one shot here and there, uh, or two shots. Uh, it wasn't he wasn't busy enough, but um, it was a good tactic. It was a good tactic to throw one or two punches to wait for a counter. But uh, he wasn't doing it often enough to to pull the rounds off. Um, how you know much do you value uh, you know punching power and how like you know a round should be scored? Because um, even even though if you were you were touching them more, it seemed that those one or two shots that you would get off would would you know be more heavy. And do you think that swayed the judges? Um, you know it can, but I don't think he landed uh, too many of them. To, to you know, I don't know what the judges were watching. I mean, there was there were shots that were um, he was missing a lot of those shots as well. Uh, I mean, one or two shots or even three shots around that I've been working. You know, for most of the rounds, and well, I don't think it was going to be enough. If you threw more power shots, you know, I think it would have made. Uh, uh, I would see it going that way, but just the combination at the end of the round, it's because it was a little big or, or flashy. I, I, I don't agree is enough to to win those rounds. And um, you know, his his team contends that, that they were confident that their fighter won the fight, but before the decision was announced, um, from what you saw in the ring, do you think that they thought they won? No, um I mean I know his dad's looking for a knockout. Um he was he was uh kind of uh, worried like Danny Garcia's dad was in the corner, uh kind of rushing his guy to get out there and, and, and finish me and, and take me out in the last in the last couple of rounds. Um, so yeah, I didn't, it didn't seem like they felt they were that comfortable. I mean, uh, even after the fight, you know, his dad went over to the, um, locker room and, uh, said, Hey, you know, they kind of saw us all pissed off and, and, and screaming in there and, and was on his guy, his dad. He said, Hey man, I tell you the truth. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to bullshit this, you know, this, the scores, uh, when they were being read, I, I figured it was Mauricio, you know, he, the experienced guy, he, yeah, they were gonna go to give it to him, and and when they called my son's name, hey man, I was happy. I'm not the judges, so uh, we're rolling with it. And basically, what he was saying. So that also told me, you know, they they weren't confident they were going with it, and and anybody else who after that maybe started interviewing, they just probably started to believe it themselves. 
how how confident are you that you can get a rematch? Uh, I'm real confident. I think we, we can get rematches. Uh, I think even with Danny, but um, um, who knows? No, <laughs> no Danny, Danny doesn't want to fight you. <laughs> yeah, I know. They were saying they were going to rematch you, but you know, I don't know. I don't know if they would. And to me, it doesn't matter if they don't want to rematch me. Uh, so I won, and I can move on and just keep fighting uh, uh, bigger and better and bigger names, and and keep exposing these guys. You know, I'm just going to be. I think I'm going to change my nickname to the Exposer now. <laughs> and you know what? Doesn't even. I mean, this fight. I'm, I mean, I'm still gonna be. You know, this is just motivating me more with this fight. I'm gonna just keep on. Uh, you know, training harder. And even and why not work on my work on some power? Because um, that's what judges, I guess, the only thing they they look for now. And but you know, then again, who knows? If I, if I do get work on my power and KO my next opponent, maybe I'll get disqualified. <laughs> or or accused of wow. being on PEDs. <laughs> right. You know, and, and it's kind of crazy, you know. Obviously, the fans like to see you. You you bring a great fight. They keep bringing you back into these fights. You know, people say the old adage, you know, sometimes a loss can do more for your career than a win. But how do you keep yourself up for these matches? Because, I mean, really, at, at some, it's just really unfair. You know, I hate to say that. You know, I hate when my kid goes, it's not fair, nothing's fair. But how do you mentally keep yourself up? Because, I mean, really, it's not fair. Julie Letterman, who had the most ridiculous card of the three judges, even her own father said, if my daughter doesn't score this card right, I don't know what to tell you. And, of course, she had yeah. to ask that scorecard. You know, how do you pick yourself up? Mentally, you know, physically, you're clearly ready. Yes. How do you mentally keep yourself engaged in taking these fights? You know, uh, um, I just been getting motivated uh, since I think I guess my first robbery that I thought I won on Showtime was on Chando, and just thought I still had more to give and thought that I was still uh, deserve being a spotlight. Still got a lot to prove. Um, you know, it's it's. It's tough. It's uh, it's motivating, but at the same time, I don't like to let it get me down because if I think about it too much, you know, overall what could have or should have happened, uh, you can really get down on it and let yourself down. But, um, uh, you know, I, I just tend to think positive and then, uh, you know, fans and reading comments and, and interviews, all this uh, just keeps me positive. And, and I just I stay motivated to, you know, continue on and, and as long as the people are watching the fight, they're the judges, and I'm going to just keep doing my thing and keep going forward. And um, uh, it's boxing. I, I love boxing. I mean, you know, there's the bad part on it, bad things that happen, but um, still love it, still want to still want to give people great fights. And uh, they're not going to push me down. They're not going to uh, make me retire. Uh, I'm going to keep going strong. Hey, right. what, and what better? Drama is the best story, right? Right. Right, absolutely. Ismael, any questions for Mauricio? Yes, Mauricio. I know you mentioned just a, a couple minutes ago that uh, your power might be something that you're going to try and work on. Can you explain for the the fans out there how a boxer can go about working on increasing their power? Because I know a lot of people assume, you know, if you don't have power or if you have moderate power, wherever you stand, that's kind of normally something that you're just born with and you really can't cultivate. So just kind of explain how that can be something you can work on going forward. You know, it's, uh, which I believe it also, we need George Foreman, uh, I guess I said it one time, you're, you're born with it, you know, with power, 
And I feel you are. I mean, if, if you if there was a way to really be a power puncher, I think everybody will be knockout artists. Um, I think you're born with power, and, and if you don't have as much power, I think you can improve a little bit, but you can't really be a total power puncher. Uh, I know I can get, I know I can get a little stronger. I'm always learning. I can keep uh, keep training hard, trying new things, and just get a little more power in my punches. I think it'll help. Uh, won't make a complete turnaround. And I'm, uh, I'm be honest, not gonna be a. It won't make me to a knockout artist, but I know I I can I can work on just uh, getting a little more uh, power into my punches. But you know, I, I've been working on the style I have and w- what I've been given. Um, and you know, I'm, sometimes these guys are, are faster than me. Sometimes I tend to uh, throw fast punches than to sit down on my punches. Because sitting down on my punches. Uh, um, it, you usually show when you're going to throw a power punch. You know, you can see that coming. And sometimes I have to not throw so hard in order to throw fast punches. Um, but you can really sit down and throw and hit pretty hard. I can sit down on my punches and get a little more pop. But I'm also, I also uh, take the risk of when I'm fighting a fast guy, of letting him uh, kind of see that coming and, and, and catch me first. And I know a lot of people are claiming that this was a robbery, so to speak. I wanted to get your opinion, just your gut reaction, because I know Bob Aaron, he tried to frame it as well, because we have so many cards going on, we didn't get top-notch judges for all of the fights, yada, yada, yada. Do you think that's the issue where it's just the judges need more training, or do you think it was actually a corruption issue that we saw on Saturday? Yeah, you know, I don't know if it could be any one of those. I don't know if these judges are tired, or they just get bored after a while, or they just doze off, or or <laughs> what it is, you know, or they just... Uh, they get woken up by the crowd yelling, and maybe it was a miss or on the glove, on the uh, you know a shoulder shot or or something. They they just uh, uh, get it wrong that night for, for some reason, and uh, or you know they just go seem to just judge on power alone, you know. And and there's some judges that that score on um, punches being landed, uh, whether they're hard or not. Um, but even then, you know, Benavides uh, didn't even throw enough, you know, to win these rounds. So. You know, I don't really know, I don't really know what it is behind it. You know, I don't know if it's uh, they're paid off or, or they just uh, were off that night. Um, it could be different things, but um, I think if we just keep talking about it and and expose them and and or maybe interview uh, some of them, you know, uh, do something, you know, I think to um, to get them to just score and be fair all the way around with whether you're a power puncher or not. You know, I like to answer that question because. Two of those judges were experienced, uh, Max DeLuca and Dave Moretti. They they score Vegas fights all the time. Uh, the other one, Eric Cheek, um, yeah, he was much less experienced, but he had the same score as DeLuca did, and uh, Moretti had it the widest. I mean, I didn't think it was the worst thing in the world for yeah. Benavidez to get the decision. Like those, if he had a you know a, a one fifteen one thirteen type decision, that was the type of you know bad decision that happens all the time. What what yeah. was striking about this card was the fact that Moretti somehow gave Benavidez nine rounds. That that that's what made it you know unrealistic. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like I probably never even had a chance in going in. It only gave me three rounds. Um, you know, what was I supposed to do? Okay. Brandon, do you have a question for Mauricio? I was just going to say, you know, kind of reiterate, you know, something you'd asked him earlier is, you know, you keep getting all these 
fights that are so close and so questionable as far as the losses go, I mean, are, are you maybe willing to maybe step down in competition and maybe fight some lower tier guys, beat them up a little bit, maybe win some fights on the card to build that confidence back up? Or, or like you said, are you just going to go full steam and just the next big man who's willing to sign him and die the line, you're willing to fight him? Yeah, yeah, I'm going I'm going for the biggest names out there. Uh, no sense of going uh, backwards. I want to just go forward and fight the bigger and better guys. I think that just brings the best out of me. Uh, I mean, Benito, uh, Benavides wasn't as aggressive as the other fighters that I faced. Uh, I think, like, you know, Provagno, Gova, Verado, those guys were aggressive, aggressive and really brought the best out of me. Uh, I think those fights are more fa- uh, fan-entertaining. Uh, um, so I, I think going for the bigger and, t- and aggressive guys, tough guys, uh, big names, they're all the big names are aggressive fighters. So I think that my confidence is, is still high. Uh, I still feel I can... Uh, give anybody problems. I can spoil anybody any night. Uh, I want to just keep proving that I'll fight the best. Absolutely. Um, let me, we have someone in the queue. I think we lost, we have someone in the queue, I think, who wants to speak, to ask a question. Just one moment. You are now on live with the Ruckus team and Mauricio Herrera. Who am I speaking to? Hello, 559. Hello. You're on with the Ruckus. Hello. Okay. I think we lost five five nine. We got somebody from the three four seven. Three four seven, you are on with Ruckus. Who am I speaking to? What's going on everybody? What's going on, Mauricio? This is Mike from New York. Hey, what's up? Hey, Mike. hey, what's going on? Mauricio, I have a question. Well, first and foremost, you were robbed. Okay, I scored at one sixteen, one twelve. You were definitely robbed. Uh, I don't I don't see how the judges gave and they need nine rounds. That was absolutely ridiculous. So and everyone asked pretty much about what what I wanted to ask, where do you go from here? Who 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 are you looking for to fight at one forty at this point? You know, they uh I think HBO and uh I think Golden Boy was uh, was letting me know that they were interested in, in uh, maybe uh fighting Provocable again on HBO. Um uh, Oscar said he's been uh, still working on trying to convince Danny's dad to, to uh, fight, get Danny to fight me in a rematch. Uh, he said the only thing is, is Al Heyman's in the way, and maybe he can convince his dad. Maybe that'll uh, get to him. Uh, Danny's so, in the way. <laughs> Let's take it from me. <laughs> Danny's in the way of that fight happening. <laughs> yeah, that, but Danny's not going to want that fight. But um, we'll, we'll take uh, any names right now. I think Pavagnikov is. Is it will be another interesting fight. I think that'll be a a friend, a fan friendly fight, <laughs> not a fighter friendly fight, but a a fan friendly fight. Uh, I think it'll be, it'll be a, a nice, entertaining fight for the people. And uh, um, I think I'm still in a good spot. You know, I'm still in a good spot. Um, Golden Boy is still gonna, I think, throw big names at me, and uh, HBO, I guess, still wants me back. And and I still got a lot to prove. You know, speaking of that Provodnikov fight, um, you know, that was a close fight that a lot of people thought Provodnikov won. So my question to you is, compared to the people that have gotten questionable decisions over you, do you think Provodnikov did better than they did? Provodnikov, oh, of course. Provodnikov, uh, that was a good scrap. Uh, I did way more than the, than Danny or, or this guy put together. Um, that was a tough fight. That made that you know that brought more out of me too as well. 
you know, got me uh, just keep pushing harder. You know, he's a very tough guy. Um, I was uh, it was my one of my first big fights with Pavlov, um, but I learned a lot. I learned a lot since, and I think uh, I'd be a lot more smarter in the second time around. Um, but uh, you know, that was a close fight too. Um, that was a, a, a fight where it was could have been judged on power and Pavlov's line, or there were more punches landed by me. Well, that one was a close fight. Um, so I mean, that thing's, uh, I think I say will be a. Uh, another it couldn't be another close fight again, or you know, uh, depending on, you know, on I think on my experience that I've <laughs> that I've uh, gone through with all my fights, um, sometimes I think maybe I can I can make it a little easier on myself. Okay. I don't think you're willing to make it easier on yourself. You know, when you have that 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 fighter's heart, an easy fight. I I don't foresee you taking <laughs> an easy fight anytime like, in the near like, future. <laughs> You know, I'm not expecting to turn on my TV and find the guy that was fighting Mickey Rourke in the ring with you. I'm not expecting to see that. You know, I, I just don't yeah, anticipate yeah. you taking an easy fight anytime soon. You know, let me ask you a fun question. Did you watch the Mickey Rourke fight? The, the uh, which fight? Uh, Mickey Rourke, the actor, 60, 70, yeah. 80. How old is Mickey Rourke? Did you watch? Did you watch the uh, his fight? His quote unquote fight. Oh, Mickey Rourke fight. Oh no. No, I didn't get a chance to see that. Well, you know, shameless plug, watching on Bad Culture. You know, pop you some popcorn. You can giggle. You can watch him fake a heart attack and then hit the guy <laughs> with the left foot. You know, if you're bored yeah, one okay. night, you know, check it out. All yeah, right, Mauricio, well, uh, before we before we let you go, you know, as uh, – oh, I think we have somebody else who wants to speak with you. 408, 408, you are on with the Ruckus crew and Mauricio Herrera. Who am I speaking to? Uh, uh, who's Abraham? Hey, what's, what's going up? on, Abraham? How you doing? Um, no, I, I had a, had someone of mine that was lingering uh, from from the last fight too with Danny. You know, those are, I guess, those are that was the guy's favorite to win, and um, obviously, you know, they did win. Um, you can see it by by their the body language in the corner that they thought they were both going to lose. But how does this – so I thought, you know, I know you're starting with Golden Boy, but I thought this time was – it was just ridiculous. I mean, with Dan, the Danny fight, you know, somebody could have – it could have leaned towards a draw, but this fight was just – it was just – it was embarrassment, I think. For anybody – any any – Casual fan watching the fight. It was, you know, it's the reason why a lot of people stop watching Boston. Because, you know, stuff like this. She's my language for shit like this. So, I know you're you're looking to fight. You know, you were just talking about fighting Peronikov again. And, you know, a loss like that, um, loss like this, is not really a loss to me. Uh, you know, us, you know, true boxing fans that watch it, for, if anything, we just get pissed off about it. Because I was pissed off about it. In fact, I didn't even want to watch the next fight. I was so upset about it. But um, do you think this? Do you think this is? I know he's an upcoming guy, but do you think this has something to do with also with him being the top ranked guy and you being a golden boy and this being on on HBO? Do you think that has anything to do with it? Do you feel this has anything to do with it? Um, I could. You know, I I, I hear different things and. And sometimes I lead to think that you know was this all set up, or um, 
Bob Aaron's side, you know. Um, and, you know, it may be, it may be, you know. I'm, um, I'm always getting the, the the hard decisions of being in somebody else's backyard or promotional uh, yeah. company with with their fighter. And, uh, you know, it could be. It could be a Bob Aaron thing. It was his guy, you know, like they said, it was, uh, they were trying to make a star out of him, and uh, they were just trying to use me. Yeah, man. And I'm looking for one more thing, guys. I got, you know, I'll let you guys go. But you know, the best thing that could happen is for him to, you know, become a become that superstar that they wanted to become. And then, then this this will be a a black eye on his on his record, I think, because uh, sooner or later, you know, people true boxing fans they're gonna want to see this fight again. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that's why I think, you know, this is what happened. What happened with Floyd when he when he got uh, Castillo rematch? Obviously, Floyd was a lot better, but. Uh, I just think even then, Mauricio will school him down as well. But anyway, that's all I have to say. Great show, guys. I, I like watching you, man. I, you know, I'm still going to watch you. You know, I think all the guys that, you know, that really true boxing fans are still going to support you, and everybody feels the same way. So. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Abraham, before you hang up, what's your Twitter handle for calling in during uh, Mauricio's segment? <laughs> you are the winner of a limited edition Mauricio Herrera T-shirt, very, very limited, and we would like to, the good folks at Supreme Boxing would like to bless you with uh, this limited edition shirt. What's your Twitter handle? <laughs> That's uh, Abraham95122. Oh, I'm, I'm one of your followers. <laughs> I know. You know, I got a few hours crazy Abraham. You cracked me up. Well, congratulations. Yeah. I'm going to uh, share your Twitter handle with uh, Supreme Boxing, and they're going to hook you up with a shirt, Okay. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. No problem. Thank you. Thank you. Have, have a good night. You too. You too, nice. All right, Mauricio. As always, it is an absolute pleasure. Once again, you know, I scored to fight your favor. Our panel unanimously scored to fight, as most people on planet Earth whose last name has not been Abitas pretty much saw you win in the fight. So, you know, just hang in there, man. Keep your head up. Uh, you get a lot of love from the boxing fans out there, you know, and it's a pleasure to see you in the ring. Oh, no problem. You know, thanks for having me. Uh, you guys kept my head up. Uh, I'm going to stay positive. Uh, just keep on punching, and uh, I'll be back. All right. We look forward to it. Good. Have a good night. You too. Thank you very much. Thanks, man. All right. So that was El Maestro Mauricio Herrera. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. Once again, thanks to uh, Supreme Boxing for connecting us with them, and uh, thanks to uh, Boxing Fanatic on IG for uh, shouting out the show tonight so that you all can tune in and enjoy the ruckus along with us. And uh, shout out to Abraham. Abraham cracks me up. He's actually pretty knowledgeable, and he's a funny guy, and he likes all the same TV shows I like, so he's cool in my book. So let's see. We are going to be joined uh, shortly by uh, amateur future Olympian boxer Salim Urbina will be uh, joining us in just a moment. Before we um, join in with her, gentlemen, what do you guys think of uh, seeing a rematch with Provodnikov? I'll start with uh, Brandon Stubbs. Rematch with Provodnikov. I'd watch it. I mean, Provodnikov hasn't looked sizzling his last two bouts, so I'd watch it. I think it could be evenly matched and should be quite violent. It could end up being for a Provodnikov him kind of getting his top boxed off like Algeria did the back half of that mm. fight. So, I mean, it, it could be interesting to watch. I mean, it would make good, be a good fight for HBO. Why not? Mm-hmm. Just my own rematch. I like that fight. I, I agree completely with both uh, 
Pereira said as far as it being fan-friendly, good fight to watch stylistically. Um, if I was providing the cost people, I'd be kind of a little bit worried about it. But um, otherwise, it's a good fight. I think that's a very good option for both guys uh, based on their in-ring style. Let us see. I think this is our next guest. Let me go ahead and pick it up because this is an Arizona number. So I think this is, yep, it is. Oh my gosh! Hi, you are on with you, you are on with the ruckus. Uh, Salim Urbina, thank you for uh, joining the ruckus. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Thank you for having me. So before we jump into uh, talking about your your what you have on the horizon with your training and everything, you just uh, I don't know if you just heard our guest. We just wrapped up with uh, Mauricio Herrera, who fought uh, Jose Benavides, who's from your neck of the woods, Arizona Sun. There, what did you what did you think of the fight? Honestly, on Saturday night, I had an event in Mexico, and um, I was meeting uh, with uh, some politicians on Saturday, so I missed a great night of boxing. Um, uh, I DVR'd it, but I haven't reviewed it yet. Um, I heard it was a great fight, but I really have not seen it. Okay. Well, we're going to have we're gonna have you back uh, in the future after you have a chance to watch it. Right now, we know that you are very engaged um with your own training and what you have going on right now. Talk to us a little bit about uh, what you have going on career right now. You are training for the 2016 Olympics. And so tell us a little bit about your training and, you know, what's going on with you as you prepare for that. Well, um, this, this whole year was a big year for me. It was uh, the start of the Olympic cycle for me. I uh, competed in the Central American and Caribbean Games. And I got silver there, and I got a lot of international experience this whole year. Um, I'm back, I'm finally back home from training camp in Mexico City, so I'm excited to be home and um, staying busy because uh, in February I believe I have uh, another elimination to uh, make the Pan American team. So I'm staying busy uh, for the Pan American Games and um, taking it year by year, and uh, God willing. The big idea is to qualify for 2016 Rio and um, eventually go pro. As a, as an amateur boxing, you know, those of us who fully watch the sport, you know there's the differences in judging and those types of things. As you watch professional fighters compete, what type of, you know, strategies and things like that can you draw upon and kind of mold them into your, your amateur pedigree, you know, to kind of help you along? Well, see, in amateur boxing at the moment, we're going through through a change in the in the judging. Um, right now, it's not it's not point the point system anymore. It's not hit and move, hit and run. Um, it's who's being more effective, the aggressor, uh, being effective with your skills. So now we're being judged uh, like the pros. Uh, we're going through a change where um, amateur boxing also has its own AIBA pro league. So um, they want us to start fighting more like the pros. So I see a lot of videos. I practice a lot of a lot of uh, what I see the pros doing. Uh, I like to sit and bang, so it's a little more of my style. And um, I'm glad that the scoring is changing to that because I believe it's going to draw an even bigger crowd. You know, as as an amateur, and I assume after the 2016, I think it's pretty safe to say you you most likely will turn professional. As you look for, you know, you, I know you're not looking past the Olympics, and your focus is there. But as you start to make your transition into the professional realm of women's boxing, 
what can you do to make changes in the sport? You know, as we know, women's boxing does not get the same love or respect by any means that men's boxing do, or even just put on a platform or put on the undercards or just any type of exposure in the professional well, um, realm. You know, what can you do to help that along? Well, my dream since I was a little girl when I first started training is, has always been to uh, become a professional boxer and to win a world title someday. And I know that I got to get myself out there. I got to help out in the community. I got to I gotta let everybody know who I am. I can't just sit and just let everything come to me because it doesn't work that way. I got to get my name out there, get as much media coverage as I can, and uh, make a promotional company get interested in me, make them want me, and um, see how I can help them and um, make women's boxing better, bigger and better. So uh, you'll be, this is Ryan, I'm Ryan Bivens, so we've actually right. been in touch for a while. Um, <laughs> I wanted to know, um, you'll be representing Mexico in the Olympics, right? Yes, sir. Okay, so um, is it safe to assume that you'll still be fighting out of Mexico as a professional? Um, you know, uh, I'm open to fighting anywhere. Um, I, I am more than likely, I will start in Mexico because women's pro boxing is huge in Mexico. Exactly. But, um, but it, it just depends. It, it really depends on if, if I get my name out there and they offer me a big fight in the U.S., um, I'm willing to take it here too. And I don't know, I just, I want to travel all around, so I'm excited about sometime maybe going out to Europe and just fighting everywhere. Um, has uh, Canelo uh, Promotions ever approached you or, you know, talked about the future perhaps? Uh, Canelo Promotions hasn't approached me. I have, um, since I've been in Mexico City, uh, a few promoters have have uh, gone out my way and told me that I'm very good and that I should turn pro, but I don't think I'm ready at the moment, and um, I'm focused on trying to get as much international experience as I can. And um, if my coach says that I'm ready to to take the pros, then we'll do it. And it's it's a team decision that we got to take. I mentioned Canelo Prosen because um, because mm-hmm. they they work so closely with Golden Boy. Um, when they have you know events in Mexico, they're on Televisa. Like we get them here in, in the United States on Fox Deportes. So. That's that's about like the only crossover promoter I know from Mexico that directly gets fights on TV here. But you know, either way, you know, whoever you sign with, um, you're going to be televised because um, you know you're, you're a quality fighter. And um, you know, hopefully the U.S. wakes up someday because um, a whole bunch of other countries are behind the uh, women's boxing bandwagon. Uh, Mexico, Argentina, probably the um, two biggest countries doing it right now. It, it, it's really sad to say to see that the U.S. hasn't brought women's boxing like it is in Mexico. In Mexico, women's boxing is huge. You go out there and we women sell out. Jackie Nava, Mariana Juarez, all these ladies put on a great show, and it's really sad that U.S. doesn't do it yet. But I'm not afraid to work hard for it and someday do that here in the U.S. When we look at kind of combat sports, we see that there's a huge push in MMA of female MMA fighters. You know, there's a lot of opportunity with Invicta and Bellator and all these big promotional companies. What do you think that MMA is doing right that in terms of promoting women that boxing is not? 
Well, um, the difference is that, well, I, I believe Ronda Rousey was, was the key right there. Um, she she made herself wanted by these promotional companies, and and she got her name out there. She's outstanding, uh, whether people like her attitude or not. Um, she's she's out there, and she's making it great for MMA. Um, the promoters are <coughs> seeing a big difference, and that's that's just all it is. It's she worked hard for it, and she opened the doors for different women, and that's that's what I want to do in boxing. Absolutely, Ryan. Um. Well, I mean, I don't, don't have much else. Um, I hate to say it, but I, I mostly watch professional boxing, and uh, <laughs> you know, I, I can't, I can't wait for you to turn pro. Um, cause, you know, I'll definitely be able to see you fight more often. No, definitely. Um, I'm really excited to turn pro. Um, nothing's in stone that I'll stay amateur till 2016. Um, we don't I, I'll definitely watch yeah. you on the Olympics. <laughs> well, um, I'm pretty sure the first time you see me fight, you'll you'll like it. You'll be excited. I, I'm a crowd pleaser. So let me ask you this. So now as you get ready to prepare, you said you have Eliminator coming up for the, the Pan American Games. Like who are the names that are on your radar that you feel pose the biggest threat to you? Well, um, for the Pan American Games, it's all America, so um, you have to qualify top three, I believe, in each elimination. And um, we have uh, Team USA's, USA's Marlena Sparza. She's uh, ranked number one in the world, so that's that's a big name. Um, we also have Clelia Costa from Brazil, and she's ranked number three. And we all know each other very well, so I know that all the fights are going to be really hard, especially... Um, my weight class, 112, everybody's really fast, very experienced, um, traveled all over the world. So um, we're all very, very uh, experienced fighters, and we look good. We don't look like your average female fighter. Um, we're very sharp, very, we're just, we work hard, and uh, I hope more people get interested in women's international style boxing because, um, I think that you guys would really enjoy it. Oh, I suppose she, she got a bronze medal at the the last Olympics. What's your track record with her? Uh, I lost to her uh, this year at the Continentals. I've lost to her twice this year. <laughs> she's she's really good. Um, they've been very competitive fights. Every time we fight, um, we go at it. And unfortunately, I haven't won. But um, I have a lot of fun every time I fight with her. It's it's a competitive fight and. When I'm in a competitive fight, I have a lot of fun. So I just got to keep working hard and work hard for that win. Right. Absolutely. All right. Well, we will definitely, you know, keep in touch with when is the, what dates will the Pan American Games be happening so we can make sure that we uh, talk about you on the ruckus and uh, put some stuff up on backfisher.net. Uh, well, the first qualifier will be um, in late February. It's set to either be in Argentina or um, or in Maine. They haven't really set what date yet, um, but it will start in February. And once uh, the team has qualified, the games will be held in uh, Ontario, Canada on July 17th. Absolutely. And for those who are listening, if they want to keep up with you, 
you know, hit us with your social media so they can keep up with you and follow your career and see how you are progressing along. Hey, guys. So um, you guys can follow me on Instagram, at Sulemurvina. Also on Twitter, it's the same as at Sulemurvina and Facebook. Um, you guys can find me there. I upload uh, uh, videos, interviews, and when I'm fighting, uh, all kinds of good stuff. So follow me. All right. We most definitely will. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. You know, keep women's boxing alive. You know, we definitely, as a woman working also in a male-dominated industry, you know, a little bit more equality would be nice. Would be nice. So, you know, keep representing us well. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Oh, the pleasure is all ours. Good luck to you. Thank you. All right, Ruckus listeners, that was uh, Sulem Urbina. Make sure you follow her on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Sulem, S-U-L-E-M, Urbina, U-R-B-I-N-A. So make sure you follow her, or if I'm talking too fast, just go into the Bad Culture timeline on Twitter, and um, you will find uh, some retweets from us uh, with her information. So keep up with her. Support women's boxing. Support women, period. We need that. So, gentlemen, as we turn back into professional boxing, let's see. So you guys have talked. We've talked Con Alexander. Yeah, actually, we go ahead, Brandon. What's up, Brandon? Well, you drinking I, I tonight? Say we actually, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm not allowed to answer that. Uh, we actually have a perfect segue with us just uh, talking uh, with an amateur female boxer. We can talk about Victor Ortiz and his comeback fight. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, no. Wow. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Yo, look, Stubbs, I got to tell you like that. When I watched Ortiz's comeback fight, I said to myself, you know what, Ortiz would still get Stubbs to business even today. I want him to end the May fight. I want him to end the May fight so bad. That way I can just take him down and just, just like, literally just, like, just pound his face in. Like, no standing up, just me on top and raining down elbows. It would be so much fun. You got a good wrestling uh-huh. game? Yeah. Oh my God! I'm yeah. telling you, if it ever, do you know how hard I would grind it out to find sponsors to sponsor this damn fight? If you got, if I could get to a fight with Victor Ortiz, I would be out on the corner with one of those signs, like when they're advertising apartments and condos. I would find some money to put that fight on. Please believe that. I, I know. I know the guy actually own. I know the guy who used to own Cash for Gold. You know, I have used to be outside spinning the side talking about cash for go. Oh, I got the hookup. We can make it happen. Brandon says, if you walk, if you walk down to the ring with a cash for gold sign across your ass on the back of your trunk, I am done. I am done with you. I'm telling you, you gotta keep, you gotta keep trolling Vic Ortiz. And one of these days, he gonna pop up on the ruckus. You know, I'm not. I'm, I can tell you now because it didn't go up. I was trying so hard to get Victor Ortiz on the show right before this fight. I was talking to his people, but he was so ingrained in camp that I couldn't get him to get on the show. Ooh, Brandon, I was about to get your ass. I was about to get Victor Ortiz on the show, and I was going to troll you so hard. I was going to instigate you. Like, so tell me that again about Victor Ortiz. I'd be like, joining us right now on the record, Victor Ortiz. Oh my God. Oh, that would have been the best show ever. But, you know, you never know. I want you to fight Vic Ortiz. He was looking, I'm, I must say, you know, I watched his fight, you know, as I did the two-step between the Cosmo and the MGM. I watched his fight. I watched uh, Kamagai, Oscar Godoy, and I watched 
uh, whatever the first fight was on the Showtime card, after Vic Ortiz looked pretty good. I mean, granted, he was supposed to, but the thing that was so striking to me about it was that Victor Ortiz, even though he's had his issues in the last couple of years, he was way down in the car as if he was going to fight like six rounds. It was so empty in there because the fight was so early. But, you know, he performed well. He was in shape. He was focused. I watched this fight, and then I went over to to the Cosmo for a while and watched Shawnee Moynihan and, you know, watched a couple fights over there and then went back to um, the MGM. Good grief. What a week. But uh, Victor Ortiz, I mean, Y'all watch this fight. I'll, I'll start with Ismael since he's the calm of the three of you. <laughs> what did you think of uh, What did you think of Victor Ortiz's uh, comeback fight? Well, I'm happy he's back in the win column. It's been what? I think the last time he won a fight was 2011. So he had the right opponent. He had the guy. Yeah, he had a guy with no power um, who was willing to bang with him. So it was you know entertaining to watch for as long as it did. Only won a couple rounds. Um, mm-hmm. I'm kind of just ready for the, the Victor Ortiz experiment to be over with. I know the reason they're not going to throw him in with, like, a Keith Thurman or somebody like that is because they still see value in him, so they're trying to build him mm-hmm. back up. But, I mean, it's just delaying the inevitable. Once he's in with somebody, I think, that has any decent power, he, he's gone again. You know, I don't see – I'd rather see them do, like, a Berto Ortiz loser lead town type match right now and just get it over with. <laughs> Actually, I absolutely support that fight. You know what? I I, I I like Berto. I like Berto if they rematch. Yeah. Berto was full, full troll in Las Vegas. My God. So, you know, while I was there, he and the Broner were, you know, hamming it up. They were passing out I Can't Breathe shirts. Shout out. And shout out to Andre Berto and Adrian Broner for hooking me up with the I Can't Breathe shirt. And also... Shout out for them for uh, shooting a little video with me because they were being real shitty to the other media there that was trying to talk to them, but the other media didn't have the right approach. Ask them about what they're doing. They don't want to hear about no fight, so they got all, you know, acting crazy and whatnot, but they were real cool with me. And, you know, if you didn't see the video, go to badculture.net. You see the little video that I shot with them. True, funny story. None of you will probably believe this, but this is a true story right before I started filming. I asked them first, you know, gentlemen, can I film you, you know, being all sweet and coquettish with them, everything, all womanly. Can I film, shoot a little video of you guys? Oh, sure, sure. Adrian, the problem burner, Broner, about burgers, about babies, about billions, <laughs> told me to only film him from the neck up because he's too fat right now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, he wasn't joking. I've seen the pictures. No, yeah. I, I, I put that on my mama. Mr. Broner told me, yo, 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 okay, but only shoot me from here up because I'm kind of big right now. And that's why if you see the pictures, I took, I think I took a picture of them that I put on my Instagram or it's a cover for the video. That's why he's holding his shirt in front of him while Berto is just kind of leaning and posing and chucking the deuces or whatever Berto was doing. The biggest Berto was in shape. But Broner, that's why Broner's holding his shirt up because he told me not to film him because he's looking too fat right now. I was like, wow. But I respected the man's wishes. You know, I'm not trying to get cussed out by AB. So, I mean, actually, I wouldn't have been tripping. But 
at any rate, that is a true, true story. That is a bad culture, the ruckus exclusive. And there were other media who was there who, I don't know if they heard him say it to me. I can think of at least two other media people who are next to me who probably heard him say that. So that is a verifiable exclusive. A.B. said he was too big. Well, seeing him in person, how much do you think he weighed? Really, you know, it's actually those, I have to say, you know, people really kind of took it and ran with it. It's the really the way he's posed. He's not as big as he looks in that picture with the three of them wearing the black shirts because the next night was fight night, and he had the extra medium shirt on, you know, the R&B-looking shirt with the jeans and the sagging and the jewels and all that, and he didn't look that big. I would say A.B. would be about one. Nice. No, I'm just kidding. About one seventy-five-ish. You know, he was looking like some thickums. Yeah, I'd say he was probably he was thick. He wasn't sloppy like fat, like hanging flesh, like muffin top. But he definitely he been eating good with his pregnant girl. You know, I'd say AB is about one seventy-five right now. He could well, fight. He, got, he could fight. He got another baby on the way. Yes, How he many does. is this? Seventy-four. <laughs> no. I, I think I think this is I, honestly I think this is number five or number six. Yeah, it sounds about right. And so that was that. I asked him. Uh, you know, I didn't want to ask him right, too we, much since he was we, in a good mood. Yeah, that's enough. That's enough about Broner. Okay, we we haven't oh. talked Bradley Chavez, and there's ten minutes left oh, in yeah. the show. Okay, and then one more quick true story. I also got a little video of Zab Judah. I got to upload it. Zab said he's going to be fighting in Moscow in the next couple months. So I'll put that video up on Bad Culture, too. So, And I also yeah. got a little video with John David Jackson talking about uh, Sergey Kovalev. So look for that exclusive on Bad Culture this week, too. Diego Chavez, Tim Bradley, Tim Bradley, Diego Chavez. Tim Bradley was on the show recently. I felt that Tim Bradley did enough to win the fight easily, easily. I think I scored it about, what did I score? I think I scored it 8-4 for Bradley. But we got us a draw, a very lumped up, lumped up draw. Ryan Bivens, Bradley Chavez. Oh, Bradley. I want to say Bradley was a sharper boxer, to be honest. Um, Chavez, to me, when he let his hands go, could could match Bradley punch for punch, and I, I did think he was he was landing perhaps even the the cleaner punches. But Bradley, I worked on. And that was clear. Like it was very, very, super evident that Chavez was clearly getting out hustled. So um, I think what I have to fight. I had to f- giving giving um you know what's his name Chavez kind of all the benefits of the doubt. I had it eight to four for Bradley, but um, two of those rounds still um, I thought were close. And uh, the, a, a draw is. Is not inconceivable, you know, but maybe even, you know, seven to five Chavez, because uh, I think I have rounds one, six, seven, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. I thought they were all close, so if you get, I, I didn't think Chavez clearly won a single round in the whole fight, but if you shaded all the close rounds to Chavez, he, he, he might have barely won the fight. But you know, one sixteen, one twelve from Julie Letterman is is one of the worst scorecards I've ever seen from her. I can't remember a worse scorecard from her. 
Like she, I think like among female, among that. female judges, Julie Letterman is trolled the least until now. Mm-hmm. Now, now she deserves to be trolled. I want to be a judge. I think I score pretty <laughs> damn great. I want to be a judge. Somebody has to be up for somebody for the commission. Yeah. I'm gonna get a license. Yeah, I, I'm gonna just, I just, I'm curious to see what the process is. And do I have to go to like you know thirty hours of training? Like I'm, I, you know what? You heard it here. I'm gonna start the process to see what. Even if I never ever do a fight, I want to see what the process is to become a judge, and I'm gonna do it and see what happens. But anyway, back to the fight. Back to my van, off my vanity, and back to what we were really talking about. Chavez, uh, Ismail, how did you score it? Um, I didn't score it simply because it was on simultaneously with um, Alexander and Khan, and I was just so amazed about how Khan was doing. I was transfixed on that fight for most of the car, but I started watching uh, Bradley Chavez. I stopped flipping back and forth and actually started watching around about the ninth round, I want to say, eighth or ninth round, and watched it straight through. So from the rounds I watched, um, it was competitive, but I thought Bradley won the majority of those rounds. Um, and the way everyone was talking about it on Twitter and even the announcers, I thought, you know, pretty much that he had the decision in the bag despite the way, you know, his face looks from all those butts and all that. So I was pretty surprised that he lost. And then I was also, like Ryan said, pretty surprised at Julie Letterman's scorecard because, you know, she's normally on point with her scorecard. So that surprised me. And then I started hearing later on people said she looked bored at ringside, like she wasn't paying attention. I don't know how much of that is hyperbole, uh, but... It's, it's a real interesting scorecard, and for Bradley, it kind of came at the worst time. You know, he was wanting to make a big splash coming off the um, Pacquiao loss, and you know, even that fight was pretty competitive. So I heard that there was talk about even doing a rematch, but I don't really think there's much um, uh, anticipation or demand for that. So it would be interesting to see where Bradley even goes after this fight or how much time he needs off because he looked in pretty bad shape from the, you know, the way his face looks. So what got to me was um, when Harold, you know, gave his unofficial scorecard and said, you know, Bradley clearly won the fight. I don't care what my daughter says. It's like, what? Why would you even say that? It's like he knew she <laughs> like was he about knew, to right? like. <laughs> it's like he knew. <laughs> Harold Letterman has zero filter and zero chill. I was sitting in front of him at a press conference, and he, you say Twitter has troll. There is no troll like Harold Letterman at a press conference. Don't get up there on the mic talking crazy because Harold Letterman will be in the back. Well, what about the toys after Bill Whitaker? I'm like, whoa, Harold, easy. Easy there, dog, easy. So, you know, I'm sure he sounded like he was ready to disown his daughter after that card. <laughs> maybe maybe she sent him a text like, Dad, I know you're not going to like this, but I'm going to for Chavez because Harold was like, damn what my daughter is talking about. I can see my dad doing that, to be honest. I was like, you know, that would have made sense after the scorecards were read. I was like, yo, the scorecards ain't even read yet. What's up? <laughs> well, maybe he knew she was going to get it wrong just knowing his daughter, and maybe he just didn't have the heart to say, daughter, you ain't shit. So I'm going to say it on the front end instead of saying it on the back end. Brandon says, how did you how did you call it? I actually had it 116-112 for Bradley. I watched the fight on mute, not on mute per se. I had my headphones on listening to music as I watched the fight, the replay online. Um, I thought Bradley did land more cleaner punches. Um, oddly enough, you know, Ishmael said how much time is he going to need off. Uh, his face took a beating. It was very lumped up. 
but he actually tweeted out that he had no fractures, which is quite surprising given the fact of, the fact of how much swelling he had. Um, I, I really don't want to see a rematch of that. I don't think Tim will, will, will take that. He's going to get his money regardless with his new deal with Top Rank. Um, right. I think they'll probably feeding him the Alvarado, uh, Rios three, Rios three winner, and yeah, and there you go. Wow, right. wow. So, I know, right? That's, so, so right. So let, let's get this straight. Now, Alvarado and Rios <laughs> are going to fight for a third time. The loser mm-hmm. is going to basically be dead, and he's retired. And then the winner, his reward is to fight Bradley, and then Bradley finishes him off. Absolutely, it's called the, <laughs> it's the round robin that is not <laughs> You know, basically, Alvarado and Rios will be retired in 2015. Well, that, that's good to know. Praise, praise God. I don't think those two guys can take it. I mean, God damn. You know, I like a war as much as anybody, but those two guys, Brandon, well, Brandon Rios, even more so than Mike Alvarado, because I think Brandon Rios has fought more frequently than Mike Alvarado. When was the last time Rios even had what would be considered a light touch? Um, mm. years. I mean, at what point do you, I mean? I'm, I know he. Sometimes you just gotta save people from their own bravery. He's not gonna Rios. say no. He last had a well. Richard Abril wasn't a light touch, but it wasn't a guy that like hurts you. Okay, so like, he didn't take any damage in that fight. Um, John John Murray was the last easy fight he had. That was 2011. End of 2011. So Abril that is was ridiculous. Ab- Abril was April 2012. It's like it's so it's so classist almost. It's like you know the whole. It's like a like a taxation bracket. Like how the rich pay the least taxes and the middle class gets screwed, and then the poor don't pay any taxes. Brandon Rios is like the middle class of boxing. It's like he's paying the most taxes out of every. You know, group of fighters, and that's that's jacked up. You got Danny no, it's not. Rod no, no, Salsa. It's not. Yes, it is. It's yes, not. it is. No, no, no. It's karma for him making fun of Freddie Roach. Huh. He did not. out there. That was not Brandon Rios making fun of Freddie Roach. That was Alex Ariza making fun of Freddie Roach. Brandon no, Rios. No, 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 no. They all did. No. Now he's talking about an older video with Brandon. Yeah, the, 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 that, that didn't happen. He, he, he yeah. pretended oh. he had Parkinson's. Him and Margarita. Uh, oh, well, then that's fucked so up. karma for that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, Brandon Reels uh, might end up with Parkinson's one day. That's not a joke. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, well, I didn't know that. So thank you for educating me. Thank you for educating. Then that's not cool. Then that's not cool. But no. at any rate. Jesus, we have only 90 seconds. This is been a good show, and I didn't even get to do the whole show with you guys. So um, this week we've got, uh, speaking of cherry picking, <coughs> we've got Adonis Stevenson fighting this week. And then uh, isn't Julian Williams fighting this week too? He fights on Saturday, and Adonis is on Friday. Yeah, I'll be home this weekend. I'll be watching <laughs> watching fights as all. Well. Uh, thanks to everybody who uh, kept up with me during the week while I was all over the damn place in Las Vegas. Shout out to everybody. Um, big love to my guys here, Ryan Bivens, Ismael Salam, Brandon Stubbs. Make sure you're following all of them. They're all phenomenal at what they do. Make sure you tune in to Brandon's MMA show, too, if you're an MMA fan. Um, 
keep up with the ruckus. We'll have more video. I'll put the video up of Zab Judah and John David Jackson this week, uh, my little brief conversations with them. I want to share hair care products with John David Jackson. He's got a name. Boy, I need to know what he's putting up in his hair. <laughs> I, I, I had to uh, channel my Andre 3000. I'm going to say, ooh, I just want to lay in his hair. His hair was looking silly. So once again, this is The Ruckus. Make sure you tune in next week, and we are out. Good night.